This week on The Inside Story, journalists jailed, missing or worse, from Russia's ongoing invasion of Ukraine to the October 7 attacks in Israel. A look back at the challenges reporters faced in 2023. Plus, we see how Russia weaponizes the law to silence dissent and imprison members of the media. Now, on The Inside Story, a free press matters. I'm Jessica Drury, VOA's Press Freedom Editor. This week on the Inside Story of Free Press Matters, we look at some of the biggest challenges to global media in 2023. From the dangers covering conflict to legal threats leveled at news organizations here in the US and overseas. And we hear from journalists who provide a platform for survivors of conflict, giving them a voice. Russia's invasion in Ukraine, the Israel-Hamas conflict, war has had a deep impact on journalists, with a record number killed in 2023. Our Christina Caseda-Smith spoke with two veteran correspondents about their experiences and personal loss covering the war, and asked what drives them to keep reporting. The first bomb struck as Fox News reporter Benjamin Hall and his crew returned from a day's reporting on Russian attack in the city of Horenka, outside of Kiev. A few seconds later, the second bomb landed just next to the car. Now that one, there were five of us in the car. Pierre, myself and Sasha in the back seat and two Ukrainians who were, who were driving. And the second one blacked me out. The blast from that 2022 attack knocked Hall unconscious. A vision of his family spurred him to get out of the vehicle. My daughter, my little eight-year-old daughter, right in front of my eyes came to me and said, Daddy, Daddy, she said. You've got to get out of the car. Badly injured, Hall pulled himself free. He survived, but cameraman Pierre Sargweski and Oleksandra Kurshinova, a Ukrainian reporter assisting the team, lost their lives. With serious burns and injuries, including the loss of a leg, Hall underwent multiple surgeries. The experience, he says, serves to remind journalists and audiences of the risks media take to report the news. No matter how dangerous it is, no matter what they throw at you, we won't stop reporting the news. Conflicts in 2023 account for most media deaths, with three killed on assignment in Ukraine and the Israel-Hamas conflict killing more than 60 journalists to date, most Palestinian. For local journalists, covering the effects of war is a deeply personal experience. And for them, it's not just a conflict. For them, it's their life. It's their family, it's their society, it's their culture, it's their cities. This is not a place these soldiers know. Damon, who covered conflict in Syria and Iraq, says journalists are also at risk of being targeted deliberately. And Iraq was a very, very dangerous place at the time for journalists to work in. There was a price on our heads. It's very different when journalists are being deliberately targeted versus taking on the risk of just being in a war zone. For the Israel-Hamas war, groups like the Committee to Protect Journalists emphasize the need for reporters to work safely. Their audiences, says Sharif Mansour, are counting on them. But hundreds of millions all over the world who are following this heartbreaking conflict try to understand it and they rely on journalists 
in order to get timely and independent information and commentary. And without that, we are left with a sea of tests and misinformation that can only fuel the conflict. Hall and Damon agree that a free press is the main way for people to make informed decisions. Hall, who returned to Ukraine in November and met with President Vladimir Zelensky, published a book about his experience. It serves not only to tell his story but to pay tribute to colleagues and friends lost along the way. And Damon founded the charity Inara, which provides medical and mental health services for children in war zones. She says the experience of being leaving a war zone for the safety of neighboring country stays with her. And it really hits you in those moments how these things that we take for granted. With no end in sight to either conflict, media advocates are pushing for all sides to ensure journalist safety. Cristina Quecedo Smith, VOA News. Here in the U.S., our First Amendment principles of free speech were tested in 2023. Analysts say raids, searches and subpoenas, often directed at local media, are a sign of trouble. But local media on the front lines are fighting back. For Liam Scott, Arash Arabasadi has this story. A raid on a small-town Kansas newspaper caught the world's attention in the summer of 2023. Footage captured police seizing equipment and material from the office of the Marion County Record and the home of its elderly co-owner, Joanne Meyer. The Marion City Police Chief was suspended and later resigned. Analysts cite the police action as one of the most egregious press freedom violations in the U.S. in 2023. And, says Gabe Rotman of the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press, the case underscores the importance of press freedom. It's just important um, that law enforcement and other government officials across the country, you know, understand the role that the press plays, um, the importance of the press as a, a watchdog, as a check uh, on the government. For the paper staff, fighting back was never in question. There's also a lot of people who are pretty easily intimidated. Uh, and they need to understand that they didn't, shouldn't put up with this stuff and that there are people out there that will support them. The U.S. Press Freedom Tracker keeps watch for such violations from their headquarters in Brooklyn, New York. Press freedom directly affects all of us. We're all citizens uh, and denizens of information. Uh, and that information to be gathered truthfully without fear of punishment affects all of us. McCudden sees other alarming trends, including the use of prior restraints, which act as gag orders. The tracker has documented at least 10 such cases, including in Alabama, Missouri, and North Carolina in 2023. What 2023 has showed us is that journalists and journalism are still under threat in the United States. Rotman cites the case of U.S. reporter Catherine Herridge, who could be held in contempt of court if she doesn't reveal a source for her series of investigative reports in 2017. That case is a um, is a, a stark illustration of the need for a federal shield law. Shield laws protect journalists from being forced to disclose information, including the names of sources. In Nevada, the state's shield law helped the Las Vegas Review-Journal fight a landmark case. In October, the state Supreme Court ruled that devices belonging to Jeff Gurman, a Review-Journal reporter stabbed to death in 2022, are protected from an unchecked police search. It is just as important uh, to you know, ensure that that journalist's work lives on 
um, by maintaining the confidentiality of their of their sources. With the U.S. heading into a presidential election year, McCudden says the tracker will keep a close watch for threats to the First Amendment. For Liam Scott, Arash Arabasadi, VOA News. American journalists are also under pressure from hostile foreign governments. Renowned Russian-American journalist Marsha Gessen is now on a wanted list, accused by Moscow of spreading false information about the war. Gessen lives here in the U.S., but could be at risk of extradition if they travel overseas. And inside Russia, two American journalists remain in custody. Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich and Radio Free Europe Radio Liberty editor Alsu Kermasheva. Russia detained Gershkovich in March following a March 29 arrest over charges of espionage. The reporter, his media outlet and the U.S. deny those accusations and the U.S. says Gershkovich is wrongfully detained. Meanwhile, Kermasheva is accused of not complying with the Foreign Agent Act and spreading false news, charges she rejects. Here's what her husband had to say about the case. It is no secret that uh, reporting in Russia independently has become um, an endangered profession. Um, but I think it's especially dangerous now for American journalists um, to, to work inside Russia. Um, I'm convinced that Alsu is being targeted because she's an American citizen and because she is a journalist for Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty. Kermasheva works from Prague and had traveled to Russia only for a family emergency. At her latest court appearances, authorities ordered her held until at least February. According to analysts, Russia uses its legal system to retaliate against media and cast doubt on their credibility. Our Alexei Gorbachev explains. For an agent, undesirable, Russia uses these legal classifications regularly, but what do they mean? And why do analysts see them as a threat to civil society? The Nobel laureate and renowned journalist Dmitry Muratov, VOA and its sister network RFERL, the Human Rights Organization Memorial, jailed opposition leader Alexei Navalny and his lawyer. These are among the dozens of individuals and organizations that Russia designates as a foreign agent. And media outlets, think tanks and non-profits, including the World Wildlife Fund, National Endowment for Democracy and investigative outlet Medusa are labeled undesirable. Russian law defines foreign agent as a person or entity who receives support and or is under foreign influence. And undesirable, a foreign non-governmental organization whose activities might endanger the core of Russia's constitution, defense capacity or national security. Both laws have existed for years in Russia, but authorities are ramping up their use. Since the foreign agent law's enactment in 2012, use of the law has spiked, with notably large increase from 2020. And penalties are severe. RFERL journalist Alsu Kurmasheva faces up to five years in prison if convicted of failing to register as a foreign agent. Russia is not alone in having a foreign agent law. Indeed, amendments to its law came in 2017 as a response to the United States ordering Kremlin-backed organization RT to register. And Nicaragua, a country with more than 200 journalists in exile over persecution fears, enacted a foreign agent law that it quickly used to target critiques of the Daniel Ortega regime. 
Watchdogs and rights organizations say Russia and other hostile governments use laws around foreign agents or extremism to silence critics and stifle dissent. Terms like foreign agent are throwbacks to Soviet-era days and try to send a message to ordinary Russians that these journalists or experts are not to be trusted. In reality, those on the foreign agent list are behind some of the biggest investigative reports that seek to expose Kremlin corruption and its crimes and intentions in Ukraine. Journalists like Michael Naki and Ruslan Leviev, who reported on Russian's army killing civilians and the risks posed by damage to the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. Or the Moscow Times, which has exposed atrocities by the Russian army and is now deemed a threat to Russian society. Russia is one of many countries contributing to a decline in global press freedom and civil liberties. Our Robin Guest spoke with Irene Khan, the UN Special Rapporteur on Freedom of Expression, about how that affects democracy and media rights worldwide. The threat to press freedom is probably one of the greatest threats to democracy. Authoritarian states have always sought to censor the media, but what we now see is a backsliding in emerging democracies like India, like Philippines. In these countries, well, for the, in the case of Philippines, Maria Ressa is an icon uh, of uh, uh, oppression of uh, journalists, and especially women journalists. It's not a coincidence that she and Dimitri received the Nobel Peace Prize, because it also indicates the very important role that media play in establishing peace, security, uh, stable societies, democratic inclusion, and on the other side, the threats they face. So the justice system, the legal system, is being weaponized against journalists. Women journalists within that profession are particularly vulnerable. They are sexualized. Uh, there are uh, serious um, online gender-based threats, threats of rape and attack, not only of them, but also their families in some cases. Um, and that endangers them, but the objective of those who are doing that is to discredit them professionally and to drive them offline. If you are a journalist and you cannot be online, then you cannot do your work. Afghanistan is the worst case scenario, the nightmare scenario for women, where women have, are basically invisible. They have been wiped out, erased. Women journalists have been erased uh, as a profession. They cannot operate safely, their voices are not being heard. What are the remedies? What remedies do you see? What are you recommending? How do we fix it? Well, I'm recommending first and foremost that impunity for crimes against journalists has to end. Governments have to take very seriously any attacks on journalists. And governments also have to take steps to protect the freedom of journalists to carry out their work. Your freedom to collect information, your freedom to uh, report on that information without being threatened. Uh, that's extremely important. One of the regions with the steepest decline in media and civil liberties is Hong Kong. The landmark trial of pro-democracy publisher Jimmy Lai began this month. Henry Ridgewell in London has more. Jimmy Lai arrived in court Monday for a highly anticipated trial, facing charges under Hong Kong's national security law. The pro-democracy publisher faces up to life in prison if convicted. 
Jonathan Price is part of the international legal team representing Lai and his son Sebastian on the global stage, building support in forums like the United Nations. You have a guy brilliantly successful uh, commercially, a publisher, a journalist, a pro-democracy campaigner. He embodies everything that they have sought to oppress. And people are just now recognising that in each field of his life, Hong Kong is poorer over the last few years than it was previously, and that if we don't stand up for this man who represents all of these, uh, all of these things, we don't stand up for Hong Kong. But standing up for Lai comes with its own hazards. Chinese state media have launched smear attacks against Price and the international legal team. Apart from being vilified in the press, we also receive a steady stream of fake impersonating emails or we have fake and impersonating emails sent on our behalf. We have phishing emails trying to retrieve privileged information from us. And these are of such a sophisticated nature that it's almost certainly not rogue cranks. It's almost certainly state-sponsored. Lai, a British citizen, was arrested in August 2020 and the offices of his media outlet Apple Daily were raided. Authorities accuse him of colluding with foreign forces and publishing seditious material, charges he denies. One year later, Apple Daily announced its closure, citing the freezing of its assets and arrests of top executives. It is one of around a dozen outlets to shutter since the law came into effect. A major pillar of what was Hong Kong's democracy, this unbelievable institution of, uh, of the free press had just gone up. Uh, it, it dissipated into thin air. Lai built a booming business empire in Hong Kong. Following Beijing's deadly 1989 crackdown on protests in Tiananmen Square, Lai dedicated his efforts to campaigning for democracy. Founding the Apple Daily recalls his son Sebastian, who says the family was a constant target of pro-Beijing harassment. A house was firebombed. Um... Uh, there was once a dog that was skinned and, 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 and pinned to our door. So, so a lot of in intimidation. When the national security law came down, um, a lot of people warned him and, and, and told him that he should leave. And he told them that he wasn't going to leave his uh, uh, um, people, he wasn't going to leave his journalists. Hong Kong introduced the law after mass protests in 2019. Authorities deny Lai's trial is politically motivated or that the national security law is used to target critics. Sebastian wants the international community to leverage financial ties with Hong Kong. It really is a question of free press. What is the free press? What, what importance does our society put towards the truth? And the world needs to tell them that the, the, the freedoms that we believe in are, are not up for trade, just the same way that my father has. Britain, the US, the European Union and Canada have called for Lai's immediate release. China said Lai was a major instigator of the anti-China riots in Hong Kong and condemned what it called meddling in Hong Kong affairs. The trial is expected to last for around 10 weeks. Henry Ridgewell, VOA News, London. With dozens of countries, including the US, headed to the polls in 2024, the media's ability to combat disinformation is essential. As Steve Karish spoke with Brian Stelter, a broadcast journalist and author of the book Network of Lies, about the role of the media in an environment where false news narratives shape public perception.
The, the role of journalism, the function of journalists is more vital and more interesting than ever. Because in an environment where there is a lot of noise and nonsense, in an environment where it can be overwhelming, uh, you know, we, we have a, a great responsibility to sort through it. It is, an, it is an information environment that is chaotic, that is prone to bad faith actors, uh, where you have propagandists who are trying to control media outlets. Most people, I believe, don't want to be deceived. They don't want to scroll through a social media feed uh, that's full of, uh, of, of BS and disinformation. They want to know what's actually true in the world, and they want media outlets to help guide them to it. I think everybody you know, believes in some form of media, it's just that we're incredibly fragmented and fractured and then some people are off on the fringes. They still want that kind of proverbial eyeglass they can put on to make sense of the world and get 2020 vision. I think old line, uh, mainstream, so-called old-fashioned news sources are going to be more in vogue, more in fashion than ever before. Uh, because at least these places are the ones trying to get to the truth. But the, at least these places have systems, standards and practices, processes for trying to get to what is true. Among the media's roles is an ability to give a voice to marginalized groups and shine light on underreported issues. Our Salem Solomon spoke with a reporter who uses her journalism to help survivors of the conflict affecting their home country, Burkina Faso. Based in the bustling capital of Burkina Faso, Maria Mudraigo is focused on her reporting for the French daily Sidwaya. The Burkinabe journalist has built a career out of shedding light on oft-overlooked social issues that affect her community. In her coverage of education, health and insecurity, she looks to how women, children and people with disabilities are affected. Her drive, a desire to make a difference through journalism. It's because I wanted to change things. I had this desire not to change the social order, but I was looking for a job that would allow me to have more impact, especially on social facts and the subjects surrounding us. It's an approach that has earned the reporter national and international recognition, including a Knight Award presented in Washington in the fall. Each award, says Wudraigo, is an opportunity to amplify the voices of those she reports on including survivors of conflict and rape. Udraigo also broke new ground when honored with the Bayou Calvados Normandy Award for war correspondence, the first African woman to win that award. Militant attacks in Udraigo's home country are increasing. The Africa Center for Strategic Studies, a research center focused on security, estimates that around 8,600 people will die due to extremist attacks by the end of this year, more than double the total last year. Instability in Burkina Faso drives a lot of Udraigo's reporting. She says the stories collected from survivors of rape, which extremists often use as a weapon, weigh heavy. It's unimaginable what suffering they endured. The simple fact that she is sexually assaulted and often by several people and in front of everyone, sometimes under the gaze of children. It's traumatic and it's another death. I call it another death. Udraigo opened up about her struggles with what is commonly known as vicarious trauma, a form of post-traumatic stress. It's as if I was being raped in their place, and I found myself in it without understanding anything. But each time, I felt like I was receiving the blows. So that's what led me into this stress, into vicarious traumas that I carry with me until today. Reporting can be tough in a country known for its restrictive media environment. 
Journalists face limitations on movement and societal taboos, especially topics like rape and sexuality. We don't talk about it. This is why the victims remain silent. They don't like to tell stories because there is the view of society, not only are you a victim, but you will also be repudiated and stigmatized. Describing her process of collecting these accounts as testimony, Udrego encourages more women to become journalists, saying women bring unique perspectives to marginalized communities and emphasizing the potential of journalism to affect positive change. Salem Solomon, VOA News. Before we go this week, I'd like to pay tribute to one of VOA's own, Charlton Doki, who died tragically in a traffic accident in Juba this month. Charlton for years was part of our South Sudan and Focus programming, reporting and being a mentor to so many. His colleagues will honor his full career by carrying on that legacy. That's all for today's show. You can stay up to date with all the latest developments at voanews.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at VOA News, and you can follow me on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, at Jessica Jaree. Catch up on our past episodes at our free streaming service, VOA Plus. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next week on The Inside Story.